this week's episode, we talk about the film Bombshell and depictions of sexual harassment on screen. We talk to critics Udita Junjunwala and Pamela Hutchinson, who remembers another Girls on Film favourite. It's really interesting to go back to one of the funniest and most feminist films of all time and see the same issues tackled. God, don't tell me how long ago it was, but a few decades before. It was 1980, wasn't oh, it? Oh, which was only recent, wasn't it, Anna? <laughs> just the other day, just the other day. That's basically a new film. Yeah. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith. And today we're looking at Bombshell, which is streaming now on Amazon Prime Video. Based on the real Fox News sexual harassment scandal, it's directed by Jay Roach and stars Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie. Women are everywhere. We're letting them play golf and tennis now. HR's on the phone because you called me a skirt. Yeah, it's, yeah. I gotta read that manual again. <laughs> the attitude off camera was even worse. You're a man-hater. Learn to get along with the boys. You're sexy, but you're too much work. I have a whole list. Will other women come forward? You may have heard there was a dust-up involving yours truly and presidential contender Donald Trump. There was blood coming out of her eyes, blood coming out of her wherever. Oh my God, did he just accuse me of anger menstruating? Wait, am I gonna be the story? No. No. I'm gonna be the story. No. no. Nobody stops watching because of a conflict. They stop watching when there isn't one. My guests today are Pamela Hutchinson and Udita Junjunwala. Pamela Hutchinson is a freelance writer, critic and film historian who contributes regularly to Sight and Sound, The Guardian and the BBC, specialising in silent and classic cinema. Her publications include the BFI film classic on Pandora's Box. Udita Junjunwala is a film critic, author and festival programmer. Her articles on entertainment and lifestyle appear in Indian and international media, including Vogue and Screen International. Well, Pamela and Adita, welcome to Girls on Film. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Welcome back to Pamela and welcome for the first time, Adita. Adita, where are you speaking to us from? I'm actually in Mumbai in India. Fantastic. And how is Mumbai at the moment in this weird time? It's actually really weird because it's December and it's been raining, which is completely out of character because we have monsoons, which usually end by September or October. We're supposed to be going into winter. And I feel like we're just still in lockdown because lockdown happens through the monsoons and it's still raining and we're still partly locked down. So it's really, I mean, this is dystopian at another level. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Good time to watch a lot of films, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Thank God for streaming services. <laughs> indeed. Yes, indeed. And, and thank you so much for joining us. Pamela, are you in London like myself? I am in London, even if I'm dreaming of being anywhere else right now. But yeah, I'm in London. Dickensian in London. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, thank you both for joining us. As you know, we're revisiting Bombshell today. I wanted to start with you, Adita, and say how aware of the Fox News scandal were you before you watched this film? I mean, I knew about it just from the news of the time. And, you know, it was just kind of there in the background. And I think it was a little bit amplified through all the hashtag MeToo stuff that had started coming out. 
I didn't know any of the details. I certainly didn't know how big a story it was in the U.S. So it was quite a revelation to me. And I think the reason it resonated even more with me as a film was because the Me Too scandal and the Me Too accusations had started getting amplification in India as well. There were cases that were coming out and stories that were coming out here. So yeah, I wasn't really very aware of it till I saw the film. Yeah, I learned a lot because I was only vaguely aware of it as well. And it's quite fascinating, but it was clear from the film that it was absolutely huge in America. Pamela, how would you describe the tone of this film? Obviously, it's a real story and they've taken quite an interesting sort of judgment in terms of how to present it tonally. Yeah, so it obviously was a huge story in America and it sort of situated within these other sexual harassment allegations and, and cases that were going on. But they definitely feel the need to sort of explain what sexual harassment is here. It's pretty much your first sexual harassment movie. If it's going, you're going to have an entry level to this rather grim genre, this is the one. They, they constantly explain what's going on and, and how it works and what the ramifications are. Plus, there's another strange thing at work where they're trying to make sure that if you believe in equality for women in the workplace, you should still also care about women who work for Fox News, because I think there is so much polarisation around the media in the US. And that was something I feel like the film is working really hard to get past, which we all come at it from different angles as a sort of British journalist. I think first time I heard about this scandal, people were saying, what does it mean for Murdoch? And so I wasn't sort of hostile to these women, but you know, you're seeing it in a less personal and sympathetic light than you would with other other scandals. And do you feel having watched the film, you then felt more identification with them and more sympathy with them as a result? I was very conscious that the film was trying to make me do that. But mm. no, I mean, if I hear that someone is being sexually harassed by their boss, then I don't need a film to make me feel sympathetic to them. I mean, this is an endemic problem across many, many industries. And yeah, I the first time I really heard Gretchen Carlson's name was as someone who had, you know, sued someone for sexual harassment. So that's, I didn't have a sort of prejudice there to, to fight against. Of course, it does help when you're going to like any character when they're played by such fantastic actresses. Well, that's what I want to come to next, actually. I mean, what an incredible cast. Edita, talk me through it. In terms of the central cast, what impressed you most? Firstly, I have to say, I couldn't for the longest time figure out that that was Charlie's Theron. And that <laughs> just blew me away because I thought the prosthetics were amazing. The fact that she changed her voice. It's a lot to go through for a part. And then, of course, I think Nicole Kidman did something similar for her part. And just to sort of pick up from what Pamela said as well, I think culturally where you approach a film from makes a difference to your perception and your empathy towards the characters. And I think in India, we we find a lot of self-censorship going on these days with writers and with filmmakers because there's a lot of institutional as well as political interference quite often with content that's coming out. So for me, I couldn't even imagine a film like this, which was so problematic as it might be. It was still pretty bold in terms of taking a stand and naming names and presenting the Fox News culture and the sort of corruption within that culture so you know head-on in many ways, which is something that just would not happen in India. There would be so much resistance and so much interference, censorship, etc., etc. Right from the writing stage, right up to the time it gets its censor certification, it may not even make it to the theatre. So I think when, when I watched it, to find mainstream actors of this calibre playing these roles, it's something that's so gutsy that you wouldn't find Bollywood stars doing the same thing. And even for someone like Margot Robbie, who's sort of top of her game to play not a central character, but kind of like the third main track in the film, her part is in a way quite complex, I found, because she's 
so rara at the beginning and then you see her at the most vulnerable so i found these three women particularly for me just sort of carried the film i was re- like i said charlie theron for me was amazing i really felt from margot robbie's character especially after the sort of interview slash audition scene in the in the secret chambers and of course john lithgow i mean with his prosthetic and playing a man who's just basically he's reviled he's despicable but to be able to carry that you know we've seen him playing churchill we've seen him playing all kinds of things so i i was very impressed by that i think i'd be freaking phenomenal on your network well it's mr murdock's air but i did create it i do run it right you have a pretty face here uh, stand up and give me a twirl now yeah just a quick spin oh sure <laughs> Now, uh, pull your dress up and let me see your legs. Pamela, would you like to add anything about the performances? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I think that Dieter raises some really interesting points. I mean, Margot Robbie is playing someone who is actually the one fictional character here. And so I think there's quite a lot of weight on her role. And she's she's got a certain sort of puppyish enthusiasm at the beginning of the film. And actually, one of the things that's really heartbreaking as the film continues is to see a woman who's incredibly ambitious and appears to be in exactly the right place, you know, get demoralised so utterly thoroughly because there are points in this film where Roger Isles suggests that what he does doesn't impact people and you can see exactly what it does through Margot Robbie's performance. I think that um, Nicole Kidman, I rewatched it actually, um, Nicole Kidman for me is sort of carrying on from To Die For, do you remember that film? Yeah, I love To Die For. We should double bill these two films. Um, a lot of people have been interested in Charlie Theron's sort of impersonation of Megan Kelly, but I think she does have an incredibly complex character to play. For me, the sort of heart of this film, you know, there's an awful lot of talking and you know, Anna, I'm not really one for talking in films. And there are a couple of scenes in the lift where the women aren't saying much, but they know exactly what's going on because of who's going in to which floor. Mm. And I think there's something really powerful there because this is a film that was written by a chap, but I think that most women, and I would bet rather large sum of money that the women who work on this film, the actresses in this film, know a little bit about the subject, whether it's being discussed or whether it's something that they've heard about. I feel like uh, these three women probably know what they're acting out. And in these sort of silent scenes, you feel that there's a lot more going on than the rest of the script could even really encompass. That's a really good point. I haven't watched it with that in mind, actually, but that's such an interesting way to rewatch it and to think about, yeah, you're right, three high-profile, beautiful Hollywood actresses will doubtless have suffered great degree of sexual harassment and yeah it's very interesting to think what what's going unsaid there even if you just think about the fact that some of the revelations we've been reading about in the newspapers come from their friends if that's all that they know then that's that's quite a lot to take on yeah it's interesting because Edita was saying it's interesting that they've taken these roles particularly you know in such an ensemble drama but maybe that is one of the reasons that it is a statement that they're making by agreeing to do this film Udita, are there any particular powerful scenes for you? Pamela's mentioned the lift scene. Is there anything that really stood out for you? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the scene when Margot Robbie's character goes into Ailes's, you know, she's sort of being interviewed and she's really wide-eyed and excited and showing her ambition, but he he challenges her, right? And she has to lift up her skirt. And that's it's just so humiliating. And also in that moment you can see it's almost that's when 
she's beginning to face up to the reality. It's kind of like it's breaking her down and it's breaking her spirit at that moment, but she's still doing it, right? You think she has a choice at that time to walk away, but she doesn't walk away. And then there are a couple of other scenes, for instance, when you have the men in the room taking meetings and the way they're looking at the women and the kind of conversations that go on, especially say when the shows are being filmed and the people in the control room and he's saying, show her legs, that's why I've hired her. And even then when there are women in the control room, they're squirming, but they're not protesting. All of that resonated with me because I think we don't realize how much, even as women in the workplace, we accept this kind of commentary and then how complicit we become because it's all these little, little, little incidents that eventually add up. So I think that every time that happened, I felt a little bit of a pang thinking, I'm sure at some point in my working career, I've also sort of experienced something like this and probably laughed it off. And I think that's the whole point, right? That it's about the sort of small ways in which this sort of harassment, this power equation gets upturned, the bullying takes place. There's this line which Ailes said, if you want to play with the big boys, you have to lay with the big boys. And they come up with these sort of very casual one-liners. But, you know, it's very dispiriting. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it does quite neatly show how just tiny little incremental amounts add up and why it's important that we don't let them pass. Pamela, do you think, obviously, this film feels very contemporary in terms of all the Weinstein situation. Do you think it feels even more relevant now than when the sort of Fox News scandal was taking place? It's so interesting. I rewatched it this week and it's just as depressing as I remember this entire subject, obviously. But of course, when I saw this film, I saw it at a press screening and Trump was in the White House then. And now I know he's still in the White House, but he's such an important part of this story about the culture that they are reacting to, um, that the values that the audience hold or perceive to hold, that it's quite interesting to watch it again, knowing that he's on his way out. Because I think with a drama like this, on this topic, it's quite difficult to know exactly where you're going to put your dramatic emphasis. You know, is it the fall of a important man, which this isn't entirely, is it about these quotidian dispiriting incidents? Or is it about the decision to fight back? And I think that Bombshell does something quite important in saying it's mostly about how you decide and how you fight. Yeah, well put. Let me explain your mistake here. So Rush is on Hannity's team? They're the competition. They're GOP party hacks. So he thinks he's way ahead of them. So steal from Drudge and Breitbart, not talk radio. Okay. Also stop worrying if a story's legit. If you can't source it, just go with some are saying. Seriously? You have to adopt the mentality of an Irish street cop. The world is a bad place. People are lazy morons. Minorities are criminals. Sex is sick but interesting. Ask yourself what would scare my grandmother or piss off my grandfather. And that's a Fox story. Are you writing this down? Oh, it makes so much sense. Frighten, tiddly. Right. Frighten, tiddly. Frighten, tiddly. Going back to the tone element, there is quite a large amount of comedy in this film, despite the subject matter. I'm thinking particularly Kate McKinnon is obviously always brings a sardonic tone. And I love the scenes between her and Margot Robbie, which were beautifully surprising in many ways. Edita, how do you think the sort of more humorous scenes worked for you? I think you need that sometimes if you're making a very commercial film. I think you need to balance it out. And I think that's also life, right? Mm -hmm. Every moment isn't that heavy. So I think the 
it was comedy, but it wasn't, you know, slapstick or it was more satire at times. And of course, yeah, Kate McKinnon can't play it any other way, I think. But I loved her character. I didn't mention her earlier, but I loved her character. I think some of the humor, I think for me, was inadvertent from, you know, the supporting actors around, especially the other people in the newsroom. Some of them really a little bit hammed it up, I thought. And oh, I think really? the humor for me then became, you know, unwritten. <laughs> it was a bit like, oh dear, you know, this is, they're sort of playing almost on the edge of parody. So I think you need that. I think even the morning show to just reference another show which dealt with a similar theme had that, right? There was a certain amount of humor even within that series because if you're going to keep people involved and intrigued and entertained, then the entertainment factor in a movie has to come from somewhere other than it becoming like a docudrama. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned The Morning Show because that was absolutely fantastic. I was actually surprised by the way that it introduced this topic because it really kind of wrong foots you and it presents itself as much lighter, I think, than it ends up being. Yes, exactly. Which is incredibly dark without spoilers. And also, Pamela, you mentioned On the Record to me, and that is a really interesting film on this sort of topic. Would you like to let people know a bit more about that? Yeah, so On the Record is actually, it's a documentary rather than a drama, but it's about a woman called Drew Dixon, who's a very sort of talented young executive in the in the music industry, in the 90s, in the hip hop industry, actually. And, and it's about the fact that she had experiences working for Russell Simmons and L.A. Reid, in which she was terribly sexually harassed. And the documentary follows her deciding whether or not to go public and the consequences that it will have for her life. And I thought that it was an incredibly powerful film. And you see some of the same themes coming through in Bombshell when Megan Kelly talks about what it's going to mean for her if she's the one to go forward because she'll be the one sort of tainted with this scandal, which is something that Drew Dixon thinks about quite a lot. It's a fascinating watch on the record and I highly recommend it. It is dispiriting, of course, because when you hear this woman talk about music and her early achievements in the music industry and you see exactly why they stopped, it is enough to make one's blood boil over. And I really wished I was just watching a career documentary about her fabulous contribution to the music world, but that's not to be. I had asked her, do you want to go to the police? She was like, no one's going to take me seriously. Who's going to believe me? If white women are not believed, what do you think is happening to the black women in America when we come forward with stories about sexual violence? I don't have a stitch of violence in me. I would never hurt anybody. You're worried as a black woman that you'll say something that will have consequences that you hadn't anticipated. He's the king of hip-hop. The black community will hate my guts. I didn't want to let the culture down. I love the culture. It's a terrible burden to bear to know that you might still be judged as somehow being a traitor. There's something that they often talk about when they're compiling the witness statements in a drama like this, and they talk about it in Bombshell, about how much detail is corroborated, so you know you know whether all the witnesses are sort of telling the truth, really. When we see a glossy Hollywood film about the news industry, and we see a documentary about the hip-hop industry, and we read the books about Harvey Weinstein in the film industry, and we see the same patterns again and again, there's literally no way people can deny that this is an endemic problem across sort of all our entertainment industries, really, which is not the point I want to be making. I want to say that things are changing, but... <laughs> no, but indeed. Udisha, is there anything else you wanted to add about Bombshell? It's been a while since I saw the film, right? And I did try to watch it again, but it's not easily accessible here because it's on like a different platform. But what I remember is that I remember being really affected by the film, as I've said before. And I think it's partly, like I said, because as a woman, I'm also reacting to situations that I've been either a, a witness to or on the fringe of either as someone who's been an observer or a receiver. 
And I think that though it's a very Hollywood movie, of course, and there is a veneer to it, I still felt that, especially as journalists, and especially if we're ambitious, as most of us are, we tend to sort of discount a lot of what we accept and will overlook. And I think that for me, it played into that. It also, the fact that, you know, you're looking at Fox News, which has this reputation anyway. I also felt like I got an insight into the workings of a newsroom in a way that I don't have about how American newsrooms work. I thought it was interesting that Kate McKinnon's character was this lesbian producer who was trying to conceal her sexual orientation because that could have also played against her. And the prejudice sort of lies all around the secretary to Ailes who's so complicit and sort of watches these women go in and out of his secret chamber. So it's just, I think all of those sort of elements became slightly like studies for me, besides the fact that overall I was quite sort of impressed by the way it was put together. Excellent. Pamela, any closing comments on Bombshell? I mean, I'd really just like to pick up on what Adita said so smartly about the veneer of the film. I mean, this film's incredibly glossy. It's like drenched in lip gloss, isn't it? And it's very <laughs> pink and there's so much blonde hair. What Fox News does by making people stay tuned to a news channel, by offering something that a more frivolous person would call eye candy. Um, we would call human beings, obviously, but you know, this film is also trying to do this, trying to present a really difficult, nasty story in a very palatable way with starry actors and, and the wit that it has and the sort of slightly gimmicky nature of it. I think that it's, a very well-intentioned film and I think it's also something that reminds us how we need to read the media that we get and think about why we're presented with stories always in a certain way, why the people we always see on TV look a certain way and it makes you think about the gloss, I hope. I hope it makes you think about what that veneer means and what it's really hiding. Yes, yeah, exactly. it sort of works on both levels, doesn't it? It's glossy while highlighting and pulling back the curtain of the gloss. <laughs> Excellent. Now, I want to talk to you both about other things you've been watching. And Udita, I believe you've been catching up with Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Is that right? Yes. So I've, I've completely up to date with it. And I sort of picked that show because I felt that there was somewhat similarities with Bombshell, not of course directly, but just in terms of the fact that, you know, here's a woman, stand-up comic, or trying to become a stand-up comic who's only seen as a housewife, and the resistance she faces when she wants to get on that stage and talk about her truth, and the kind of reactions from the audience, which she has to sort of tweak her narrative in order to appeal to them as a comedian. And it's been quite interesting because there were two other shows that have come out of India recently, one is called Four More Shots, Please, which is on Prime Video in India, I think everywhere. And another one called Bhag Bini Bhag, which means Run Bini Run. And both of them have characters that are stand-up comics. And I spoke to one of the actors about this and I said, you know, for me, it's three things that I've watched in the last year that have had this. And some of the cast said it's perhaps because comedy or stand-up comedy is a device then to deliver the message. And it's a neat sort of narrative device to get the character to speak her truth and to share her experiences and to address a lot of issues about sexuality or sexism or, you know, marriage, etc. And I find that quite an interesting kind of arc that stand-up comedy has somehow now become this usable device for women to speak about their issues. Hi, everybody. Heard some uptown chick got arrested doing a set. What's the crime? Simulating a sex act while on stage. That's bullshit. Mrs. Mason. She's got to do what with the life? <sighs> Sit around all day long eating bonbons. Is that what you want for her? Of course not. That's what's going to happen. It's not. It's get, out, get out of here. This comedy thing, it has to work. We're going to count to five. One. That's the end of my show, folks. Two. Tune in next week when my grandmother steals Three. my pearls and fucks my boyfriend. Four. 
charge for pictures now. I feel like I've got another special episode coming on. I'd love to do an episode about stand-up comedy and film. I think there's loads of great examples. That's a good one. Thank you. And um, you also mentioned Mirzapur. Mirzapur, yes. Tell me more because I know nothing about this. So it's a guns and bad guys, Indian hinterland crime drama. The first season was incredibly successful. The second season dropped not so long ago. And it's a very compelling watch if you're into the whole gangster space. It's a family drama about two families feuding against each other. And it's really about, you know, who's the fastest gun in the middle of India. And uh, there are some fascinating characters, a couple of women who have great agency in the show. Some of the male characters are really well acted. It's fun. I mean, it's a complete departure the opposite end of the spectrum from Mrs. Maisel or from Bombshell. You know, it's far more testosterone driven, but I really enjoyed it. It was a good watch if you like that kind of stuff. I quite like the sound of that. Absolutely nothing wrong with a bit of testosterone now and again. Mix it up. <laughs> Pamela, when I mentioned um, Bombshell to you, you also mentioned two films which are girls on film favourites. And we're going to briefly speak about them. The first is The Assistant. Why do you love this one? I mean, I think that... Well, you know, in a few years' time, you and I, Anna, we're going to programme a season about sexual harassment on film. Yes, please. Because it won't be happening anymore, so people will need to know what did happen. <laughs> Nostalgic. <laughs> the, the, the assistant is generally it's the flip side to Bombshell. We see no gloss here. You know, it's almost painful how little gloss. It's directed by a young woman called Kitty Green. It's about a young woman who works in a, as an assistant to a film executive. And you see her in her daily work. You don't see him, and you don't see the incidents that are troubling her, really. You just see the evidence and how she can hopes with going from inadvertently covering up the evidence of what he's doing to deciding whether or not she's going to do anything about it. And it's an incredibly interesting, cerebral, quiet film, which is about everything that Bombshell's about and tackling all the same issues, but using a completely different kind of dramatic style where Bombshell is based on a true story, but looks like a Hollywood fiction. This is fiction, but it looks pretty much like a documentary. It's all those spare fluorescent lit offices, isn't it? Yeah, very well put. And your next choice is something that features in the Girls on Film theme tune. It is Nine to Five. Of course, because I just can't be on a podcast without talking about Dolly Parton. It just doesn't work. <laughs> it's the law. <laughs> so 9 to 5 is the godmother of <laughs> Bombshell and all other films about sexual harassment in the office. I think it was re-released a couple of years ago. and We all went back and celebrated again and celebrated Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin and Dolly Parton, of course, who continues to be our leading idol in the world. Watching it again, having first watched it when I was a child, I was taken so much by something which I know happens all the time and I'm sure that I have been privy to in many times in real life, how much Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda's characters assume that Dolly Parton is sleeping with the boss. Yeah. It's just, this is one of the most sort of insidious parts of sexual harassment is that it pits women in the office against each other. And they think that because of the way she looks. Yeah. And he thinks that because of the way she looks. And um, I think partnered with Bombshell where there's a sort of mandate about how all the women appear in their workplace and on screen it's really interesting to go back to one of the funniest and most feminist films of all time and see the same issues tackled god don't tell me how long ago it was but a few decades before it was 1980 wasn't oh, it which was only recent wasn't it anna <laughs> just the other day just the other day it's basically a new film yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 9 to 5 is endlessly perfect and we will always love it. 
Agreed, 100%. And also there's going to be a documentary coming out about the real nine to five movement, which was secretaries kind of fighting back that inspired the film. I'm so there for that. I don't know when it's coming out in the UK, but we will absolutely be covering it when it does. Now, we're on the verge of 2021, so I also wanted to ask you both what films you are looking forward to seeing, whether you actually get into a cinema or you watch them at home. Um, Udita, anything you're excited about? If I say Wonder Woman, will you judge me? Not at all, because I've seen it (laughs) twice already, and I love it so much. (laughs) It's fantastic. (laughs) Wonder Woman 1984, we should uh, should say. Yes, yes. Uh, the James Bond movie, because these are the kind of films that will get me back to the theater, to be honest. I went and saw Tenet in the theater recently, and it was I was very uncomfortable with the whole experience, I have to say. But I think there are a lot of shows that I'm looking forward to, second seasons of, third seasons of. And in terms of films, I have to be honest, I don't actually really know what's coming up soon. Well, nobody actually does, do they? (laughs) What is planned may not be what happens, but uh, fingers crossed. I'm hoping it's going to be a great year for female directors and some of the big budget as well as the indie films that women have been working on will finally get the big screen that they deserve. Pamela, anything that you're excited about? Well, I'm excited about the Bond film because if the Bond film comes out, then we know something good has happened in the film industry. So, like, I, <laughs> you know, true. all my eyes are on Daniel Craig, and this is just because I care about the business. You understand? Um, the film, the film that I'm most excited about seeing on the big screen, the film I've been lucky enough to see, but I want F1 to see Nomadland, the Chloe Zhao film starring Francis McDormand. It is, in my opinion, more or less a oh, perfect film. I know. I really want to see that one. Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful film brilliantly acted actually a really interesting mix of documentary and drama in there so something that is possibly slightly related to bombshell one of the things i love most about this life is that there's no final goodbye i've met hundreds of people out here and i don't ever say a final goodbye let's just say i'll i'll see you down the road And I do. I see them again. And I can be certain in my heart. I'll see you again. Watching Bombshell again made me realise that the thing I'm looking forward to most on the TV is the next series of Succession. Some kind of Murdoch connection going on there. (laughs) Yes. Oh, love Succession. Absolutely love it. Good shout. And now, is there anything you both are working on that you would like to share with us, Sidita? Well, I'm working on a chapter in a book, which is about women in Indian cinema. We did an edition of this some years ago, and now we're updating it. So we're adding new talents and new contributors to the Indian cinema scene. So I'm one of the contributing authors to that. Besides the fact that as a member of the Film Critics Guild in India, I'm also helping curate the next awards that we're doing which will celebrate series short films and feature films that have released in the last one year in India Indian content so those are two very exciting projects that are on the anvil besides you know the usual writing of features and excellent reviews and and if people follow you on twitter presumably you'll keep them updated and with such matters yes of course I'm at Udita J and Pamela what's going on with you in this very strange time for cinema in this strange year for cinema, I've spent most of the year with Marlena Dietrich, which has been quite fun. So 
the time that I'm speaking to you, there is currently a season of Marlene Dietrich films on at the BFI South Bank, which I curated. They may well be again by the time this is broadcast, but if not, there is a lovely Blu-ray coming out from the BFI in January. And I can't leave this particular podcast without puffing something that I contributed to that came out this month, which is a book from Edinburgh University Press called Shoe Reels, The History and Philosophy of Footwear on Film. Yeah, I wrote an essay about shoes and film for an entire book about shoes and film. And I feel sure that many of the people listening to this podcast will want to get their hands on a copy. I think there was a collective gasp there when you said it. I was like, watch, shoes on film, yes, I'm in. That sounds great. Me too. How do I get my copy? (laughs) Edited by Catherine Wheatley and Elizabeth Ezra. It's it's a scholarly book, so let's grab it from the library. Let's get our local libraries to get a copy. But there are some fantastic writers in there on all manner of shoes. I was writing about some silent films, naturally, but uh, yeah, you'll have every kind of shoe and every kind of film depicted in that book, I can guarantee you. What a brilliant idea. I love it. It's great, isn't it? Yes. So you say it's quite academic. Are you analysing the significance of different footwear and how it colours the characters and such like? Exactly. I wrote about two films by a female director from the silent era called Lois Weber, in which a woman needing a new pair of shoes becomes an incredibly important plot point. How can you escape from men or poverty without a good pair of shoes? I mean, that is probably the nutshell of my essay, but uh, there's more to come. I'm so in for that. Excellent. Well, best of luck with what you're both doing. And um, thank you so much for joining us on Girls on Film. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank Thank you for having me. Thank you, Anna. You can watch Bombshell, The Marvellous Mrs. Maisel, Merzappa and four more shots, please, on Prime Video now. Girls on Film was brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Jane Long, our assistant producer Heather Dempsey, intern Eliana Jay and Amazon Prime Video, our partners for this episode. A special thank you to our patrons. If you'd like to join them in giving us a couple of quid each month, then go to patreon.com forward slash girlsonfilmpodcast. Do subscribe and review us if you've enjoyed this episode and the show in general this year, and find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We're going to take a short New Year break and we'll be back in January with more fun feminist film chat to keep you company. Meantime, if you haven't listened to all our past episodes yet, then do check them out. They've got lots of recommendations for films that you can watch at home. You've been listening to me, Anna Smith, and I was joined by Udita Jundrinwala and Pamela Hutchinson. See you soon and stay safe, everyone. All the best for the new year. I am your employee, and as such, I expect to be treated equally, with a little dignity and a little respect.